Impact, income, and influence. Do you want the most powerful, actionable takeaways from today's episode? Go to actionbullets.com to grab the quick, easy-to-read takeaways that will help you change your life and grow your business. Or you can click the Action Bullets link in the description below. Let's jump into today's episode. Welcome back to Grow Your Impact, Income, and Influence, the number one show for entrepreneurs looking to reach millions. Today, we are talking about content strategy. And this is such a buzzword, especially during COVID over the last year. Everyone has been trying to stand out online. Today's guest, Lindsay Sutherland, if I could talk, Lindsay Sutherland, that's a tongue twister a little bit. Um, Lindsay actually has a completely different take, which I think is going to be of a lot of interest to everybody out there. So sit down, buckle up and join us. Lindsay, you started off during COVID. You moved to the country to live in a log cabin. You thought it was going to be nice and peaceful and you got wrapped up in making content and content strategy. I would love to hear how that started. So take us back to the beginning March, I guess, 2020. Yes. Well, by March of 2020, I was already here in North Idaho, which we're literally almost to Canada. That's how far North we are. And this is a little tiny town with about 3000 people. And so COVID was kind of not really a thing here in some ways, although it was happening all across the world. And then eventually it did trickle in. I had, um, I think I told you, Steve, in in an earlier conversation that I had chased this dream of living in a log cabin in the woods. And that's how I got here from, from little, from huge Phoenix, Arizona, all the way to this little tiny town. This was like, my goal was to live a simple life, live in a log cabin, raise some sheep, you know, keep it simple. Anyway, I end up right. Like everybody's ready to go raise some sheep, right, Steve? (laughs) (laughs) Bah. So I end up working at this log cabin company, which is total irony in and of itself, because as I just said, I love log cabins. So this was cool. And here I was as an office manager, marketing person. I was using all my corporate experience in this, in this job, thinking this was it for me. I was like going to be at this job for the rest of my life. Got my kids in the school. It was just wonderful. Everything was happy. And then COVID happened. I've got four kids, by the way, one of which was in middle school. And the, and the other two of them were in, in elementary. And then the youngest was in daycare. She was just four at the time. And so anyhow, the point being is as all parents know, when COVID happened, utter chaos ensued, you know, homeschooling, working full-time, it was like a mess. And I'm sure everybody listening is probably nodding their head. Like, yep, you got that right lady. (laughs) And so then anyhow, I end up thinking to myself, I can't keep doing this. This isn't working for me. I didn't know what I was going to do though. I was working. I had a job. I didn't want to change it. I didn't know what was going to happen with COVID, but I want to tell you something I learned and maybe others have learned this too, but the whole family dynamic here changed night and day with COVID. My kids' attitudes were better. Our family dynamic was stronger. I thought, wow, maybe this whole, like keeping my kids home thing is a good idea. So just like I followed my instinct to go live in a log cabin in the woods, I had to follow my instinct to be a work from home mom. I know it's only been a couple months since we had our last chat, but I have drastically changed like my whole situation (laughs) and I did it because I had to be home with my kids and I wanted to pursue homeschooling. I wasn't going to be able to do that with my day job because they wouldn't let me work from home. Now here's where things got interesting. 
I don't know about you. You're probably, you strike me as a kind of guy who doesn't like to mess around by, you know, like wasting time, trying things. You're just like a go get it done kind of guy. Aren't you? Pretty much. Yeah. I, mean, I think I, so. I try a lot of things, but I I'm very quick to, if it doesn't, if it doesn't grab traction or if I don't see it grabbing traction, I I'm done with it. Yes. Well, I don't like to waste time either. So I decided to hire a business strategist. I said to her, look, I need to build a business. I need to be working from home with my kids and I need this like in 90 days. (laughs) So, so she asked me what I was doing. And I started telling her that this log home company I was working for had a unique problem. And this is where things were kind of interesting. So they build log cabin shells handcrafted by the way. Um, and they deliver them all over the world. They even have them in New Zealand and just different countries across the across. It used to be easy to remember how internet was like you could search for something and it didn't matter where in the world, if it was relating to your search, it popped up. Well, Google's gotten smarter. And so now if somebody's in Florida and they want to move to North Carolina and they want to build a log home, Google shows them log home companies in North Carolina. But here we are in North Idaho. And we're an amazing log home company, like the best in the world. And we're not showing up for people. So this was their problem. They didn't have this massive SEO budget, like some of the other like large companies could spend five and $10,000 on SEO. They weren't getting the reach out to the people they needed to. So Lindsay, being the problem solver that I am, put on my thinking cap and I came up with a content strategy that totally turned things around for them. Okay. Now I'm going to, I tend to talk a lot, so feel free to interrupt me at any point. <laughs> You're doing okay. Okay. So they wanted I, they wanted a content strategy. Want, they just wanted to get noticed. Keep it interesting. I mean, I don't know about you to go from like sitting at home dreaming about a log cabin to actually I'm gonna get a log cabin, right? Like that's a major shift in thought patterns. That's not something you just get people to flip a switch. But what's really kind of cool, and I don't know if it was like it's a combination between the strategy we did. And the timing of COVID, but it worked both ways because people now getting to work remotely, all of a sudden, those people who were dreaming of living in a log cabin could actually do it because they could take their job with them. So that was one benefit. That was a shift in the clients, but getting in front of those clients and those people was the challenge. So what did we do? Well, at the time, all they had been doing was some magazine advertising, believe it or not, (laughs) magazine advertising, uh, barely a blog and social media. They have a huge following on Instagram and Facebook. So they had that going for them, but they weren't getting leads from it. Now we turned it into, I don't know. I can't, I don't know how to explain it. It was a very dynamic thing, but it was, it was very, uh, progressive also. So it started with Pinterest. I started creating blogs and pin creating Pinterest strategy. We grew their Pinterest from like 500 people to over 6,000 people in 18 months, started getting leads from Pinterest ads after we've got that going. But the big one that changed the most was I started a podcast for them. Now here's the thing. And you know, this being a podcaster and hopefully the, your listeners do too, but when you have a long form content strategy, you're able to reach so many more people. And this solved that geo problem that Google was creating. Suddenly they have a global audience. They have people listening to them in Switzerland and Russia and places where people like love log cabins. And their podcast was the only podcast relating to log cabins. The only one. 
they were the, they're literally the first. Nice. So how did, I, I have a few questions around that. So one, did you have to sell your, the employer at the time? Now they're a client of yours. We'll get to that in a minute, but did you have to sell them on this or were they just like, no, go try it. Like, how did you figure it out? Well, okay. So that's a good question. So they gave me this challenge. They said, Lindsay, we don't know what to do. We've done everything. We feel like we've done everything. We've, we've spent this much money in marketing here. We've done this, we've done shows, you know, they kind of told me their whole marketing strategy. Two things were wrong with their strategy that they knew were wrong, but they didn't know how to fix it. One was they weren't scientific about it. They were not putting money into something strategically, seeing where the leads come, tracking their ROI, They were not sourcing their leads. They were doing none of that. They were just literally throwing money out and hoping something would work. So So what I said is I will take your, go ahead. I just want to jump into that. Like if you, if you're listening to that and you're like, oh, that sounds like me. Several of the discussions I've had over the last couple of weeks have been that exact thing. Like if you have a business, you should have a marketing budget that you have to have a marketing budget to be in business even if it's a couple hundred bucks and you have to track the ROI of it. And so many businesses don't, they're like, I'll throw 300 bucks into Facebook ads. Well, first off, that's not enough to really know whether you're going to get results or not. But the other thing is like, or I'll throw $300 over here. I'll do a giveaway or I'll do something like they just throw some money around exactly like what you're saying. Let's see, let's throw it against the wall and see if it sticks. Well, that's like the number one thing because you have to have leads to have sales. You have to have sales to have a business but you have to know where your leads come from and how much they're costing you so that you know what you need to spend. This is like the basic, I'm going to use a really big, dirty word. It's the basic, uh, actually, I'm not going to use the word because I can't think of it. It's an algebra problem, but it's not even algebra. It's just the equation. That's the word I was looking for. Man, I need more coffee. It's the equation that equals sales. It equals a running business. How much do you put in to get a lead? How much do you charge that lead to get a sale? Then you know, you can backtrack the entire thing. So they didn't know any of this, but they were in business because they had enough people who were interested five years ago, 10 years ago. Now they need help. So how'd that conversation go? Hey, I just wanted to take a quick break from this episode. Are you enjoying the story so far? Would you like to know how to use storytelling and story selling in your business? Check the show notes down below or go to storyselling.how to grab my free mini course on story selling and start implementing this in your business right now. All right, let's jump back to the episode. Well, so actually they were not even, first of all, their marketing budget was, and we're talking tens of thousands of dollars. Right. Um, And then, hold on just a moment. I'm going to get that dog in because it's just ridiculously loud. It's a puppy. So it just squeaks a lot. Okay. We can take that part out. <laughs> All right. Um, yeah. So they were spending tens of thousands of dollars. And on top of that, the, um, the primary bulk of their business was coming from referrals. Literally 80% of their clients were coming from referrals or walk-ins. And so what was happening is their traffic was becoming more local and none of it hardly at all was coming from their marketing dollars, which were astronomical. And so they're, they were kind of almost to this point where they were like, look, if we don't know, it's going to work, we're just going to do nothing. And that 
was so scary because like you said, every business has to be doing something. And more importantly than that, I knew, and I told him this because I used to work in automotive. So I've seen the ups and downs of the economy and how it affects things like houses and cars. I told him, I said, look, COVID might be working for us right now, but mark my words within two years, this is going to change and you need to be ready and you need to have a strategy that you know, can you can turn it on and make it work for you. And so they, they were bought in. They could see that I knew what I was talking about. The other thing was there was another log home company years ago that got really famous because it got on, um, what's that TV show? Um, Lifestyles of the rich and famous. It's like one of those, what was it? Timber Kings or D it's a, it's a DIY show on uh golly. I don't watch TV. This is so bad. <laughs> I don't watch got TV. On TV. Okay. So they got there. on TV. Perfect. <laughs> and they blew up. And that was great for them, except that they couldn't handle all the leads. And so my company was like, yeah, it'd be great to do that. But, you know, we don't know what we would do with all those leads, et cetera. Well, then I said to myself, besides that, it's expensive. You have to pay to be on TV. You don't just get blessed with somebody who wants to just be in your back pocket and put all this money into it. You definitely have to fork it out. So all of a sudden, I'm realizing that podcasting is growing. Like YouTube was growing back, what, 10, 15 years ago? podcasting is right there. It's starting to take off. It's getting big. I said to them, I said, why don't we start a podcast? It's a low cost of investment. And that's where I got their attention because at this point, they, they weren't willing to put a lot of money into anything until they started to see how it was going to go. And that's the same thing my boss said at the time was, well, what would you talk about now? The good news is I had been doing enough of their blogging and had been working there long enough to understand the mechanics of their business. But also I understand, understood the buyer cycle and the mindset from people, because guess what? I was one of their people. <laughs> I was a log cabin lover, right? I was searching through it. I wrote the, I wrote a book for them uh, called the ultimate log home planning guide and the podcast we started drives traffic to this book, right? So people have a low cost of investment, but they're getting their, they're getting immersed into the culture of this log home company, this brand. And because log homes take time to nurture, right? This isn't like a car where you're going to go buy one in a week or two or a month. You're going to, you're going to nurture your dream. You're going to have to find land. I mean, there's many, many things that have to go down before this happens. This gives them all that time to get to that point where then they can kind of like stay within the wheelhouse of this brand. That's awesome. I mean, that's a really good. So how long did it take you to do the book? Um, off the top of your head, a couple weeks, couple months. I'd say a couple months. Basically, I had created an outline of the customer journey, and I turned that into blogs, and then I expanded on that and turned it into a book. Okay, so I want to. If you're listening to this and you're like, I don't have a book, Lindsay just gave you how you write a book, and your book should be like we call this a. I call it a, a calling card book. You can call it. Some people call it the mini book but it's basically somewhere between 40 and 80 pages. Yours might've been longer because I'm guessing like log homes, make it sit on a coffee table, but it's your customer journey told in short chapters and it gives you something to give away. If you don't have a book, don't let it stop you from starting a podcast though. Drive them to a lead magnet. If you're listening to this podcast, you'll notice that all I talk about are my two or three different lead magnets. Go go get the webinar lead magnet. Go get the story selling lead magnet. Go get the live events lead magnet, right? So you had somewhere to send them and you started the podcast. Were you the voice of the podcast? Yeah. 
I and still how am. was it was it scary? No. So what would you tell somebody that is like, oh my goodness, podcasting is overwhelming? Would you say okay, hard, well, easy? I don't want to go down a huge rabbit hole, but just like hard, easy. I personally think podcasting is w- much easier than YouTubing. Let's start with that, right? Sure. I mean, and me being wanting a simple life in the sticks, <laughs> I didn't want to wear makeup and look have to put on a show on a YouTube video, <laughs> if I can just say it like it is. But that's one of the reasons I love podcasting. Um, I also love that I can just be myself, but more importantly, this was what was really important. Actually, you know, what was probably harder, Steve, because, you know, I have my own podcast too. This wasn't Lindsay's podcast. This wasn't like my story. Although I did tell my story in one episode, this Mm -hmm. was literally creating content for another. I'm, I'm representing somebody else, which was so different. That part was probably a little bit more tricky. I would say in the beginning, because I would write out my episodes and I have, I have a whole flow. I created curated content. So this is where I go into content mapping. I mapped out a year's worth of content headlines. I have everything ready and I batch contents. I batch podcasts and four, four podcasts at a time. But my uh, bosses, the owners of the company can preview the content discussion, right? Before I get on there and go talk about it. Um, in the beginning, they were very hands-on. And, and as time went on, they realized, okay, she, she's got this, you know, she's got this. And I, and I know them well enough to know what they feel comfortable with and what they don't. Um, so that's, that was a little bit tricky in the beginning. He was mostly like, what will you talk about? He, here's what's so amazing, Steve. And I'll bet you, you run across this too. If you know, in your business, helping people, sometimes people are too close to their business. Don't you agree? A hundred percent. And they can't see what's so fascinating and the best part of their business. Literally these guys here have built log homes from by hand for 30 years. And to them, the log crafting process is boring and mundane. And why would people want to know about that? I said, are you kidding me? This is art. You guys are creating, you're not just creating a house. You're creating art. Like I'm over here, like exploding with enthusiasm. (laughs) Well, that's so the thing that I see a lot is exactly what, like there's two, there's two ways you can be too close. The first one is our zone of genius is not everybody's zone of genius. We're like 1%, regardless of what your zone of genius is. Mine is speaking on stages, um, building webinars, building offers, talking to people and marketing. Like it has always been that way since I was a little kid. Um, I spoke on stages and I always was able to go knock on doors and get people to buy stuff since I was like six years old. The, but most people can't do that. We don't see that because it's our zone of genius, right? They've been building log cabins for 30 years. They don't, to them, it's really boring. That's the difference though. Other people, especially the people who want to buy from us, this is what I tell people, the people who want to buy from us, they're at a level one or two, we're at a level nine or 10. And what seems really simple and mundane and boring to us is super interesting to them. That's why they're your buyers. If they were at a nine or 10, they wouldn't be your buyer. They would yeah. have already done everything. Um, the re- they want you to take them from being a one or two to a level seven, eight, nine, ten. 10. So 
I a hundred percent agree. I think that's the other thing is like, sometimes when you're really close to things, you can't see the answer that's right in front of your face, which for the podcast was, well, what are we going to talk about? We're going to talk about everything that goes into building long cabins. And we're going to talk about customer journeys and how great it is. I'm guessing to live in a log cabin. Like I got this amazing mm-hmm. log cabin. <laughs> that's I've what interviewed everybody... some of our clients. I've, I've gotten people on the podcast who were not even our clients who share their story. I've talked to interior designers, you know, like literally what I wrote that book, um, the outline for that book has turned into the outline of my podcast. And then I fill it in with guest insights and guest uh, conversations. So, you know, along the way. And so for me, coming up with content is easy. It's like you're talking about that zone of genius. It's the thing that's easy to me. And to kind of fast forward to when I was talking to the business strategist, I'm telling her what I did for these guys. I said, oh, yeah, I got this podcast. I make it a blog. I make it a YouTube channel. I've got all this going on and a Pinterest strategy. And she's like, oh, well, how's that going for you? I said, oh, it's fine. I mean, it's easy. And she just stared at me for like, felt like 30 seconds, but it was probably a half a second. She's like, do you realize that 80% of my clients, their biggest struggle is content creation? And here you are telling me it's easy. (laughs) And that blew me away. It didn't occur to me, like you just said, I didn't even think that people would struggle with that because in my world, I'm thinking if you're passionate about something, how could you not know what to talk about? But that's, that's what you're talking about yourself. You know, how you, you doing what you're doing seems so come, it comes so naturally to you to get on stage. Whereas other people are feeling like no way is that possible. I can never do that. Right. Right. And so then there's where my content business started. She said, this is what you should be doing. You, This is your zone of genius. And I said, I, my first question was, is that a marketable service? <laughs> That's perfect. Well, so I want to, I want to transition a little bit because where you talk about content differently than most people, I think most people, when, especially when they got on this podcast, they're, they're like, I want, I want to post on Facebook. I want more Instagram. And when we were talking before the show, that's specifically what you don't do. You that's maybe a little tiny footprint. The real thing is long form, like not long form as in like two hour long content, but a long range strategy. What are you going to do for the next year? What are you going to talk about over time? And how are you going to have stuff that's around yeah, I like the the analogy when you're posting on Facebook and Instagram all the time, that stuff disappears, gets washed away like the ocean washing away a sandcastle, right? You're not building, you're building your house on the sand when you're doing that. What would you have people do instead? Like kind of to walk us through what long-term, not long form, long-term content creation looks like. Okay. So what we're talking about here is I call it a holistic content strategy. This is kind of what makes me different than other people, because I don't look at a business and say, oh, let me just help you with your Instagram strategy, or let me just help you with your Facebook strategy. I look at your business and because of my background in sales and marketing, I understand the the process. Like I was explaining from the client's perspective, from like cold audience all the way through to buyer and beyond. Okay. So we're talking about a holistic content strategy that we want to attract our client where they are and in an efficient way that isn't necessarily the most uh, out of pocket type of way, which was my challenge I was given here at the log home company. Right. So what I was mentioning to you, what we were talking about is social media can play a very important role in lots and lots of businesses. It definitely, I'm not saying it doesn't have a place because it does, 
but it doesn't have to be the only place. And more importantly, you don't own anything. Golly gee, what if something happened to the algorithm it changed or, you know, suddenly Facebook goes away. I mean, who knows what could happen? Your whole strategy is wiped out. That is no way to run a good business. That is not a good business model. So when I talk about a holistic content strategy, I'm, I'm saying, let's look at everything. So for example, what, let's talk about solo, solopreneurs, right? Those of us that are out there, uh, we're course creators, or maybe we're what, what type of clients do you have the most of that are doing these uh, webinars? Um, usually they are coaches or consultants. I have some financial planners in there, but mostly they are coaches, consultants, and online like digital marketers. Okay. So, so those are the ones that I see. Obviously there's different levels, but a lot of times those are the ones I see who are investing most of their time and energy into social media to get clients. And I see this time and again, where um, high-level coaches even, they're, they're pumping their money into Facebook ads, which is fine and it's working. And so they're, they're not expanding their mindset because it's working for them. But when I get talking to them, I'll say something like, hey, have you ever, is there any reason why you haven't considered a podcast or a blog or something like that? One lady was, had even had a background in radio. She had experience talking to a mic. And she didn't have a podcast. I couldn't even believe it. And she's like, yeah, people tell me all the time I should. I just don't have the time. And I'm thinking, golly, how do you not have the time? Because you're spending all your time driving traffic from Facebook and social, you know, podcasting is the most organic evergreen strategy. Well, it's not the most, but it is one of three of the most organic evergreen strategies. And what if she could alleviate all the time she's spending on Facebook ads management and alleviate that by creating uh, clients coming to her from her podcast. She does one podcast and she could get clients for the rest of her life from that one podcast episode. So this is the kind of strategy I'm talking about. And it gets even more, I even talk more, um, I guess, what would you say strategically with, with business owners, when I get them on, on, on a call, because a lot of times in they're like, well, golly, there's so much that goes into it. I don't have time. I don't have the money to outsource it. Okay, fine. Guess what? You can take advantage of these amazing evergreen opportunities without having your own podcast. Do you want to know how? Sure. You get on other people's shows just like this. <laughs> I mean, that is so I want to, there are a couple of things that you're unpacking in there. First off, whenever I hear somebody say they don't have time, what they're really saying is it's not important to me, which the, because of that is I don't see how it's actually going to bring things in. It's the pain is higher than the value that they feel like they're going to get, whether it is starting a podcast or speaking on stages, I, somehow I think it happens somewhere like when people have that spark and they're like, I'm going to do business online. They think it's going to be easy and nothing could really be further from the truth, but they have this thing in their head that says it has to be easy, right? It has to be, I just want to post on social media. I want, I want clients. I want customers. Um, I had a, a lady once tell me, um, she was like, I tried that Facebook ads thing. It didn't work. I said, well, how much did you spend? And she said, $30. And I said, well, 
you're lucky if you get what, like, I don't know what you were expecting for that. Well, I made, I made this lead magnet and I spent all this time. And well, first off, if it was easy, everybody would be doing it successfully. But as more people do something, your skill level has to increase. And if you're a good coach or consultant, like the doing of the thing is important, but getting customers is more important. To your point about podcasting, you can either start a podcast or you can get on other people's podcasts very easily. Both, neither of them are really difficult. Um, let's talk a little bit. I want to know what happened when you started this for the log home company. Like what? Because we were talking about measuring ROI and getting people in the door. Talk to me a little bit about that because I think that will be really informative to anyone who's listening and is like, oh my goodness, I need to start a podcast. All right. Well, Steve, let me tell you something. This company had been in business for 30 years. And do you know that they had not tracked at all their leads? I mean, none. None. When I said to them, well, how many leads? Just I'm backing into it, right? This is going back to my car business days. If we want to sell 10 cars a month, how many phone calls do we need to make, right? We know we know the matrix. We know the numbers inside and out in the car business. Everybody knows the numbers. So I said, surely you guys know your numbers. Like how many leads do you need in order to sell a house? They didn't. They didn't know. <laughs> so I said, okay, well, we have to start with that. So we did. We started with first tracking their leads, coming in, sourcing their leads, finding out where, the, where these things were coming from. And then we took it to the next level by playing with how can we increase the leads, uh, we started with programmatic marketing. I don't know if you've heard of that. That's kind of a new thing, but you know, basically it's it's a lot like Google ads, but it's like uh, I guess I would say maybe on steroids because it's not just Google. They can find you anywhere, you know, your favorite website or not or whatever, and they have you targeted by your matrix, your metrics, and all that fun stuff. So we put some money into that, and it, it, it upped our traffic a little bit, but it wasn't like surprising. Then we start this podcast. Then we start, well, the book I had already written, that was ready. Then we started the podcast um, with the blog and the whole content strategy I just explained. And pretty soon people were coming in. Actually, they would, they would call in. Now, mind you, I was the receptionist. So I would be answering the phone and I'd be getting, oh, you're the voice on the podcast. <laughs> like, yes, that's me. And they probably actually, love that, yeah. right? Because they see you as people. A People actually started to ask me if I was one of the owners. I'm like, well, no, <laughs> no, I'm not. <laughs> um, but then we eventually turned that to where people started coming in and they're like hungry for more podcasts. One guy said to me, hey, I noticed you haven't put, it, put a podcast out in a couple of weeks. Do you know when your next one's going to be? I'm like, holy cow, people are noticing. So our, our downloads were just going through the roof. Now, mind you, I will tell you this. I do. I want to say this. They're... Um, Facebook and Instagram strategy. Remember I said they had a huge following that helped the podcast get downloads. I will say I create, I, I always notified all of the uh, Facebook and social media people of the podcast episodes going out, but what, but what was happening now might think about it like this. They had 20, I want to say 21,000 followers on Instagram and about 7,500 on Facebook. Then I created a Facebook group to go along with with my dream log cabin podcast. And that got 36,000 people within a few months. Okay. So here we have this humongous following. I think it's humongous for compared to what most people are dealing with on a, on a regular basis. Right. But nobody's buying log homes. It doesn't matter that we're putting out content every two or three days. It doesn't matter. Nothing's converting. 
But now we start sharing the podcast and it starts to convert. People are calling. I've been listening to your podcast. People are buying the book. You know, we get in touch with them. They submit a web lead. How did you hear about us? Well, I've been listening to your podcast. One lady out of Colorado said, hey, you guys actually bid my house about last year. And I ended up going with another company to get my plans, but I've been listening to your podcast and I think I want you to rebid it because I really do like what you're doing. So, I mean, this was a year old lead that hadn't come to fruition yet. Nobody had followed up with it. She found our podcast and she was listening to it. So the podcast really started to get people to know, like, and trust us basically is what it boiled down to. Here's what I say. I can't make you pretending you're my ideal client on Facebook. I can't make you know, like, and trust me in a flippant, tiny little post. I mean, I could do my best and you might see my face and I might do a live here and there, but when you get to hear my voice and understand my mission and not only that, but in this case, also understand the construction process and what's going on behind it. Now you're hearing the owner get on and talk about his experience and how he got started in this. And I mean, just all the dynamics that we've talked about on the podcast. Now you're falling in love with us. Now you're coming to, you're coming to a whole new level where you're like, I don't even want to look at another company. I just want Caribou Creek. Sorry. I shouldn't mention them, I guess, but that's their name. I just popped out of my head. That's, you know, who I want to build my log home. And so it's totally changed the dynamic of the the client's relationship with the company. Well, that's so. I just wanted to take a short break from this episode and let you know about one of the biggest secrets I have found when it comes to converting webinars. If you have a webinar and it's not converting as well as you want, or if you're thinking about building a webinar and you want to grab this tip, it has helped numerous people one of my clients, we actually doubled their conversion rate just by implementing this one simple step. And you can grab it at deathtobadwebinars.com or by clicking in the show notes below. All right, let's jump back to the episode. I mean, you touched on the no like trust factor. The biggest thing, people don't buy the thing that you're selling. They do want it, but the reason that they buy it from you, there's two reasons. Either they're in so much pain that they have to buy which is only about 3% of the market. The other 97% of the market is floating around. They might be interested. They might be thinking about it, but they're looking for people who do X, right? Whatever that is. And at the end of the day, what I love, I always tell my people, like they're buying you. They're buying you doing the thing that they want done. And the no like trust factor is such a big piece of that. Because that's really at the end of the day, like there are there are probably 10 different log home companies that people could go with, but who do they know? Who do they like? Who do they trust? And who do they feel affinity for, right? She, that lady will probably pay more to have you guys do the house than she would pay somebody else because she knows like and trusts you, which is done through long form content. And this is, unfortunately, I feel like Facebook and Instagram has turned into just a vortex of junk. Like it's a whole bunch of people posting whatever they can to get people to notice, especially in the coaching and consulting space. Um, I've made this much money. I've done this. Look at this. Like nobody trusts it really. But when you talk to somebody, my average podcast is about 40 minutes and we have several hundred downloads per show. 
Like those people are listening to what I say. They're listening to me interview people. Like they know me. Like you, you can bullshit somebody for a small amount of time, especially online, because you can edit it, you can write it, you can fix it, you can get the perfect picture. But if you're watching this on video, you, you're probably going to see me pick my nose sooner or later. Like it's going to happen, right? <laughs> like something. <laughs> they like, all do it, right? Just what it says <laughs> in uh, Frozen. Every guy does it. <laughs> hey, girls do it too. Yeah, well, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, I'm just saying like, you know, the person and that at the end of the day makes you feel much more comfortable with the buying decision back in. I mean, you were talking about car sales. I grew up, my dad, my dad's dream job was actually selling cars um, back in like the 60s and 70s. Right. But the the thing was that you had a guy. You right. I'm driving across town. I'm driving to a different city to deal with Joe, who works at the Chevy dealer. I know, like, and trust him. I've had dinner with him. We all go to Rotary together. Blah 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 blah. Like that. Very little of that exists. I feel like we went through this compression or expansion. I guess maybe it's the opposite of where you could buy anything from anyone on the internet. But what ended up changing was oh my goodness, I want that person that I know, like, and trust. So how do you build that? I think a podcast is a great way. I think YouTube can be a great way. And I want to touch really quick on Facebook. I'm hardly on Facebook at all anymore. I do put my podcasts out there. I post once in a while, but you said this earlier, they own your content. And if you don't think the algorithm hasn't changed over the last couple of years, less than 10% of your audience usually sees what you post. So like, think about that. You're putting a whole bunch of time and energy into something that is a flash in the pan. It's going to be up for a day or two, and then no one's going to see it again. So why not do something that people can search for, people can find, people can answer questions. So we've touched on how you create the content. We've touched on some of the outcomes that you've gotten. I would love to know some of the people that you've talked about that say, I don't have time. What has happened when they've taken the time and actually started doing some of the things that you're talking about? How has their business changed? So some of the things that have really changed are people's mindset is probably the first and foremost, because they went from where they feel, I'm thinking of one person in particular, talking to her, really all it started out was as a content mapping session. You know, she's like, I don't know what to talk about. She's the type of personality that she's an organizer. She helps people organize, but she, when it came to marketing her business, couldn't put the words to the pen, you know, pen to the paper type thing. She just couldn't. And I basically said, well, look, here's how it goes. You're an organizer of things and businesses. I'm an organizer of content. So I'm going to hear your strategy, your client's process, and I'm going to put it in order for you. And then we did that. We do that together. That's what a mapping session does. And in about an hour to two, we map out a year's worth of content. But while I'm on the phone with her, I say to her, can I ask you a question? I said, is there any reason why you haven't thought of a membership program or something like that? Because her biggest struggle, and this is what I love most is helping people over bridge that gap, just like we did with the log home company. Her biggest struggle was she was selling people into her high ticket client, her high ticket offer, where she consults with them on strat on like organizing their, their business. But she was missing all these people who were not, who wanted to work with her, but weren't ready to take that deep dive. Right. Because why? Because there's no ROI in organizing your business. At least she wasn't articulating that. Right. So I said to her, I said, look, you need a, you need an entry level point for people to kind of get to know, like, and trust you, right? We need, we need to entry level that. And I said, what about a membership? 
And so she says to her, you know, oh, golly, I don't know. I didn't think about that. Maybe, you know, we get talking about it. She doesn't, she doesn't know what it would look like. And there it came back to the content. Well, if I have all these people in a membership, what will I say to them every week? The same thing. Her, her hang up was content the entire time. So by just having the strategy session, by just talking through a couple things, she is totally transforming her business and is going to be going from where she is exchanging time for money in her one-to-one program to doing a membership to where she's going to have reoccurring revenue every single month. And she can continue with her one-to-ones because she really enjoys that part of it, but she's going to 10X her income on a way that she couldn't even imagine before she got on the call with me. So that's what I mean when I say mindset, because people don't know what they don't know. Well, if they're too close to it as well, I think that happens because business people, like we help people build businesses, but when you're really close to something, sometimes you don't see the answer that's right in front of your face. So tell me a little bit more about one of these strategy sessions. What's it look like? Um, I know you said that anyone that who's listening to the podcast can reach out to you. Uh, we're going to have your email. If you want to reach out, if you know that you want a strategy session, you'd like to learn more about this. It's in the show notes down below. Um, Lindsay, tell us a little bit what a strategy session looks like and what you do with somebody during that session. Well, I offer two, two things and your guests can get $200 off whichever one they choose. And what the reason I I'm offering this is because two people have two different needs. Either they already have a plan for their business. They just don't have the marketing plan. They need a map. That's a mapping session in one to two hours. I'll, I'll give you the grace period of going into two hours. We can literally map out 52 headlines for you so that your content is essentially written for the year. Uh, All you have to do is sit down and actually take that headline and turn it into long form content, short form content. And there you go. Like the whole thing is done. You don't have to worry about what to say. You don't have to wonder if you say the same thing too many times, you know, all that stuff that we think about where we're beating our head against the wall, trying to figure it out each, each week or each month it's done. You have the year's work done. That's the mapping session. Strategy session is where I say, okay, you want a holistic, you want me to look at your business and tell you like, where can you improve your content strategy? Just like I did for the log home company, or like I did for this client, you simply, um, same, same thing in about an hour to two hours. I go through exactly, I I'm going to be nosy. Okay. I'm a nosy person. (laughs) I'm going to ask you about your onboarding process. I'm going to ask you how your clients find you. What's your ideal client, all those fun questions. But I have a gift for being able to hear the gaps, hear exactly what you're saying and what you want and what's keeping you from getting there and then produce a content strategy um, that is going to, it's not just going to be a quick turnaround. It's going to be a long form slash short form because some businesses do need a short form content um, strategy and either way, it's what's best for your business, but we're going to help you close that gap and get more conversions faster. Awesome. I love it. I think both of those are really valuable. I mean, the mapping alone, even if you know what you're doing in your business, like it can be really like sitting down and planning that out. Um, I'm actually working on my plan for next year right now. Like I do, I break it down by month. Like what am I focusing on and where, like I try to have it all outlined because I like, I like to sit down in the, so I have the way I organize my schedule. I have three hours in the morning to do work. And I like to have an idea of what I'm doing during that time before I sit down, because then I can get my subconscious working on it the night before I can sit down and it works. Um, Lindsay, thank you so much for sharing your story with us and how this works. Um, so the, your email is down below. If you want to go ahead and give that out, 
Yep. What is it? It's the passive income examiner at gmail.com. Okay. That will be down below $200 off of a one to two hour session, either doing mapping or doing the strategy piece. Um, sounds amazing. Tell me really quick, how awesome is living in a log cabin? Is it everything you thought it would be? It is. It's mostly living here in Idaho. It's so beautiful. Coming from Arizona, I lived there my entire life. Everything was brown. And there's really two seasons. There's hot and cold. <laughs> so it's been just wonderful. There's waterfalls nearby. There's hiking. There's fishing. You know, all the outdoor activities. And I have five acres for my kids to run. Nice. I love it. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for being an amazing guest to everybody else out there. Make sure you go grab a strategy session from Lindsay or a mapping session. Either one will definitely help you out in your business. And until next time, take action, change lives and make money. We'll see you soon. Thanks for checking out today's show. Do you want the fast and easy Cliff Notes version of the actionable steps from today's episode? If so, go to actionbullets.com and download yours today. Also, if you're looking to start using story selling in your business and have stories do 90% of the hard work for you, grab my free course at storyselling.how today. Till next time, take action, change lives, and make money. We'll see you soon.